school. But on the 13th, unless you're out of the country, 7 o'clock, 7.30, we need to see you at the Marriott in Princeton. We just finalized the menu last night. Oh, looking good. If you like to eat like me, you'll be excited. Amen. We're going to be all good. We have our little cocktail hour without the cocktail. Where we're over in one area, they doing the butler hors d'oeuvres. You know, they come around, Sam know about it, come around with the hors d'oeuvres. You get to take your hors d'oeuvre, you know, and just hang a little bit. Then after you're done there, we walk over to the other area, and then dinner is served. Oh, man, that's good stuff right there. I don't know about you. I like that kind of stuff. And if you're vegetarian, we have something for you. If you love steak, we have something for you. If all you eat is chicken, we have something for you. If you like fish, we've got that for you. If you just want to eat terrible, we've got that for you too. I had to get some... um some um, chicken fingers and french fries. Got everything. You got to get everything. Nobody gets left out. Lila, we have some chicken fingers and french fries. Mackenzie, we have some chicken fingers and french fries. And for all the kids that don't want to eat the grown-up food, we have chicken fingers and french fries. And for the vegetarian, we have vegetarian pasta. Just, just you know, fish. We got you coming. Got you covered. Amen. Just no drinking alcohol. <laughs> we don't drink alcohol. Well, some of us. First Chronicles 22, verse number 19. The word of the Lord says, now your heart and your soul, I'm sorry, that's right. I'm glad you're paying attention. The Bible says, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Arise, therefore, and build ye the sanctuary of the Lord to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built to the name of of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the wondrous things that you have already done, that we know that you're even doing now, and before we leave this place, you will complete. We thank you, Lord God, for faith that is in this place even now. We thank you for the word of God. Now, Lord Jesus, we proclaim, let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done. Father, we want your word to, oh God, be the authority in this place that when we speak your word, so shall it be. I pray that minds will be transformed and heart will be touched by you. And that, Lord God, we are never, ever will be the same again after today. We call upon your name, the name of Jesus, and we ask for your will to be done. Let it be so, almighty God, like it's never been in our hearts and minds and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody say amen. 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 You may be seated. I've entitled this simple message today, The Pursuit of Christ. The Pursuit of Christ. God is always on time. 
And it's amazing how he just knows everything because he stays, he keeps us right where we need to be if we will trust him. But he will always give us what we need when we need it. He don't give us before we need it. He give us when we need it. And so God wants to get you to focus this morning on the pursuit of Christ. There are people that pursue happiness. There are people that pursue riches. There are people that pursue careers. There are people that pursue promotion. There are people that pursue all sort of things because in their heart and in their mind, that's what they believe is worth pursuing. And I'm not here to tell you not to pursue those things. I'm just here to tell you the first and the most important thing that you must pursue is pursuing Jesus Christ Almighty God. We cannot be in our right mind pursuing everything else and exempting from pursuing God. When we sing all the great songs about how God has been good to us, when we sing all the songs about God keeping us and all the stuff that God has done for us, we got to realize the kind of God we're serving. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing, Sister Kendra. (laughs) He's a healer, Rissa. He's a deliverer for so many of us. He is the great I am. He is the everlasting father. He is the wonderful counselor when you can't find anybody to talk to, when you can't find anybody to lean on. Just know Jesus is there for you. He knows everything. He knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. He loves you like nobody else loves you. And he can save you from anything. He can deliver you from anything because God is almighty. There is none like him. There is none that could compare to him. The Bible says he alone is worthy to be praised. He is the wise God. He is the untimed God. He is the almighty the one who created and blew breath into our nostrils and we became a living soul. We got to remember that. We got to remember he is the designer of our life. We got to remember he stretched forth the heavens and the earth all by himself. We got to remember he is the one that keeps the breath in our lungs and causes us to breathe. We got to remember he is the one that sustains life itself. We got to keep on understanding those things and remembering those things. We can't forget. And so when you understand those things, you understand, I need to pursue that God. I need to pursue that God because my happiness is in him. My my, my financial blessing is in him. My education is in him. My healing is in him. You see, when you pursue a single thing, that's all you will be able to obtain. But when you pursue Christ, you will obtain all things. This is very important to understand that when we pursue Christ Jesus, you have, tap, you have tapped into the source of everything. 
And so if it's riches that you desire, pursue Christ. If it's knowledge that you require, pursue Christ. If it's finances that you you desire, pursue Christ. The pursuit of Christ. The Bible says, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord, your God. Let me break down four key words in that phrase right there. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord. The first word I want you to look at is set. What does that mean? That means you need to appoint, appoint, assign, charge, or commit. So it's saying set is to appoint, to assign, to charge, or to commit your heart and your soul to seek the Lord. So when you see set, you have to make yourself. (laughs) You hear me this morning? You got to make yourself do it. When you don't feel like doing it, you got to make yourself do it. When you don't feel like doing it, you got to say, I made a commitment to do it. If I say set my heart and my I made a commitment to do it. I charged myself to do it. I appointed myself to do it. I assigned myself. It means I won't always feel like doing it. But even in spite of not feeling like doing it, I'm going to do it anyhow. You know, the other day I was looking on um, the internet, and I fussed with the Lord a little bit, Sister Crystal, because, you know, somebody I knew, his message was entitled, you have a right to praise him. And I said, Lord, why you don't give me those messages? You got a right to praise him. Lord, why you don't give me those messages? Your blessing is on its way. Why you not give me those messages, Lord? Can I get some feel-good messages too, Lord? He didn't even pay me any mind. He didn't say one thing to me. Just go preach what I tell you to preach. I be wanting to preach things that make you feel good. But I'm going to tell you a secret. You don't remember the times when you felt good as much as you remember the times when you didn't feel good. Somebody help me this morning. God knows what he's doing. And, 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 and we want to we wanna feel good and we, we want to hear good things. But God wants you to know you can't remember all of those times when you felt good. You can't put your finger in all the times when great things happen. But every time you went through a struggle, every time you went through something hard, every time you was challenged, you can remember every single time, every struggle you've gone through, you can remember them. Because those are the things that build character. Those are the things that prepare you to be what God wants you to be. And so I'm here to tell you this morning, 
set your heart and your soul to seek after the Lord Jesus. It might sound like it's a hard thing. It might sound like a challenging thing. But God is here to build you. God is here to strengthen you. God is here to pick you up. God is here to move you and not just make you get a right to praise Him. Set, appoint your heart and your soul. Assign your heart and your soul. Charge your heart and your soul. Commit your heart and your soul. That word heart, you know what it really means? Because when you think about it, what is your heart? What, what can your heart really do? And you don't know much to do with that when the Bible says your heart and your soul. You're like, what is that anyway? I just know it's part of me, but what is it? Well, when you read the scripture, sometimes it says your heart. It's talking about your mind, right? It's talking about the, the, the part of you that is that 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 is intellectual. It's talking about the part of you that 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 is influenced by your spirit or by the spirit of the Lord. That's what your heart which translate in this particular text your your mind, your your understanding, your intellect that is being influenced by the Spirit of God or by your spirit. So when it says heart, it's talking about set your mind. Then when it talks about soul, it's talking about your personality or your identity. Uh-huh. So set your heart and your soul to Seek the Lord your God. It's saying, appoint, assign, charge, commit your mind and your personality and your identity. Can I just slide that in real quick and tell you one of the struggles and challenges that we have is we want to live for the Lord and still be who we are today. Who you are today. Let me just make you. Be comfortable with this. Who you are today and where you are wasn't the original design that God had for you. It was your design and your parents' design. So now that you understand that, okay, the way I was raised and who I am, that really wasn't it. Now God is trying to make me into it. And that's what's going on with our life, why it's such a challenge and such a struggle is because God himself now, when you decide I'm going to settle down in church, I'm going to start learning about God. Now God is saying all that you are, not all, but most of what you are, I got to do something with that. I know you've been raised in a good home. I know you've been a good person. Everything was good, but that's, that, that wasn't my plan. That was your plan. That was the people that raised you plan, but that wasn't my plan. Can we be comfortable with that? Because, because if we don't become comfortable with that, then we will always worry about doing the things God wants us to do. But if you become comfortable with saying that, okay, who I am, that's really not, that wasn't God's real design. Yes, how I'm made male, female, whatever it is, all of those things, yes. But what you're doing today really wasn't what God designed was for you. Mm -hmm. And so when we look at the scripture and it's telling us to, to, to set, 
to appoint and assign and charge and commit our mind and our personality and identity is saying, forget about who you are. There's a scripture where Paul says, I'm hid in Christ. And really, if you read the Bible real carefully, all of these men that wrote um, um, some of the scriptures by the unction and the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, what they're trying to communicate to us and what Jesus himself is trying to communicate to us is as we begin to live for Christ, we lose who we are and we become like him. That's that's what he's after. He's after you stop being who you are when you say, I'm born again. It means that I'm starting over. I'm brand new. And I am no longer who I used to be, but I am now who Christ want me to be. And what Christ want me to be is to be like him. And so when I when I decide to give my life to God, what I'm saying in essence is I'm done being who I am. And now I lay my life down so I can be who you want me to be. Boy, that's a tough pill to swallow. Your blessing is on the way. You've got a right to praise him. (laughs) Then he says... Seek the Lord, your God. And that's where I got the word pursue. So that's why I'm talking to you today from that text. The pursuit of Christ. Because that word seek means to pursue. That word seek means to search out. That word seek means to inquire or make an inquisition. That word seek is to go after. That's what that word seek means. So when we say seek or pursue Christ, we mean to go after him. And so we are commanded by the word of God to appoint to charge, to commit our mind, our intellect, our personality and identity to pursue the Lord your God. The question is if we got to do it with our heart, if we got to do it with our soul, then what is left? Our body. There are two stages in pursuing Christ. Hear me now. The first stage is pursuing him so you may know him as he reveals himself to you. Which should move you to receive his salvation. This is how salvation come about. You pursue the Lord and the Lord reveal himself to you. Can I tell you a little secret again? The reason why a lot of people have struggled to live for Christ is because they followed a formula to be saved, but never really understood and come to know Christ for themselves. Remember, you always hear me say, you don't have to know all of the word of God. Don't, don't worry about, I don't know enough word. Study the scriptures To learn the ways of God. 
when you learn the ways of God, you will begin to know him. But if you're studying the word to just understand do's and don'ts, you're never going to really know him. (laughs) If you study the word of God for do's and don'ts to know what to do and what to not do, you will really never get to know Christ. But if you study the word to understand who he is, you study the word to know him and understand his ways, then you're on the right track. And I feel so, so, so sorry for a lot of people that decide that they want to follow Christ, but they're not interested in knowing Christ. They just know he has eternal life. Heaven. And so they pursue him. When we decide that we're going to pursue him, the first stage of pursuing him, we, we, we know that we, we go ha- after him. And when he reveals himself to us, if God ever revealed himself to you, it should make you begin to change your actions. If God ever revealed himself to you, you don't need the preacher to tell you you need to change. You don't need the minister to tell you you need to change. You don't need nobody to tell you you need to change. When God reveals himself to you, you just begin to say, oh God, I'm a wretch undone. Most of the times when God reveals himself to us, what we do is cry. Because you're starting to realize, my God, I'm just not that good. My God, I'm not what I think I am. My God, I'm in the presence of something that's greater, that, that's, that's unimaginable, that, that is just not understood quite clearly. I'm in the presence of someone that has the whole entire world in his hand. I'm in the presence of the Almighty God. And when you get overwhelmed like that, all you can do is cry. Some people go down on their knees and begin to just worship. Some people lift their hands and just worship when God reveals himself to them. Because when God reveals himself, it's just not like anything else. We need to get an experience of God revealing himself to us. Because when he reveals himself, it should move us to say, I got to get my life together. I got to do what I need to do to please the one that just revealed himself to me. And every time you step to the left and do something that you know don't please him, it's supposed to do something in your heart because you had a revelation of him. God, will you reveal yourself to us? Lord, if whoever that is in this house today that you have not yet revealed yourself to, will you reveal yourself to them, Lord God? Because when God revealed himself to us, if we're not saved, if we haven't been born again, and we hear that we need to be born again, we get right on it and say, what I got to do to be saved? I read throughout scripture, when God revealed himself to people, they want to know, what must I do to be saved? 
and that's when the preacher would tell them, repent, be baptized. Jesus will fill you with his spirit. You must pursue him until he reveal himself to you. We can't just do the bare minimum and say, well, he God. Who do we think we are? To, to put that kind of demand, well, you God, well, I got to do all of this. It's like my youngest child, sometimes I want to just destroy him. Why? I'm not giving no explanation. I'm your dad. That's why. How many of you got to say that to your children? Remember when they were young? They asked, why? It don't matter why. I'm your mom. I'm your dad. It don't matter. And we, 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 we claim we're pursuing God and we want to know, well, why can't you do this, God? Yeah, we like one of them little children saying that stuff. Because he knows all things. He knows what's best for you. So he tells you what to do and you just do it. When you grow up a little bit in Christ, then you will have a good idea now why he told you back then what you needed to do. But for right now, you're a little child. Listen to what God says and just do it. <laughs> Listen to me. How do you pursue him? You don't want to miss church service in your pursuit of him. So when you come to church, that's another way of saying, I'm pursuing Christ. Listen to me. Here's a little secret again. I'm giving a lot of secrets today. God set the terms when he will reveal himself to you. You don't set those terms. So if he puts you in a church, he decides which service he's going to reveal himself to you. So where did that come in with you now deciding, well, uh, not today. What you might be saying is, eh, I know you're going to reveal yourself to me today, but I, I got something else to do, Lord. Because if he's setting the terms on where and when he reveals himself, the only thing we can do is just keep on following him till he decided Here's the revelation. You got quiet. You don't want to miss Bible study for the same reason when you're pursuing him. You don't want to miss prayer meeting for the same reason when you're pursuing him. You don't want to miss the Christmas banquet for the same reason when you're pursuing him. <laughs> I say it tongue-in-cheek and with a, with, with a laugh, but Fellowship and breaking of bread is a biblical principle, which means God is in the midst. Fellowship and breaking of bread is a godly principle, which means if we do it, God is in it. So you might look at it as, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. Fellowship and breaking of bread is biblical, which means God is in it. Go read Acts, and you'll see. Chapter 2, verse 39, or 42, 40 through 42, or whatever. Listen. Here is a great response of biblical uh, pursuing Christ. Look at, look at this. Let me give you a look 
at, at what it looks like. So here's a biblical example. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Look at this. Therefore, Peter's preaching. Peter's preaching. Peter's preaching, everybody. They're having church. They're having church. And the preacher, Peter, is preaching. So Peter says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter preached. And Peter preached that Jesus Christ is God. And Peter preached that you all crucified God in the flesh. That's what Peter preached to them. And as Peter preached that to them, they got pricked in their heart. So it's okay when you're in church and you say, Ooh, I ain't like what the preacher just said. That's normal feeling and that's good feeling. When you don't like what the preacher has said, that's godly. They were pricked in their heart when Peter preached the first apostolic message. Pricked in their heart. And they looked at each other and says, yo, man, he making us feel horrible. Like we did some crazy things. And so they said to each other, what shall we do? And the scripture went on to say, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you pursue God, the first stage of pursuing him, you're pursuing him that you will get to know who he is. And that should move you to give your life to him through being born again, repentance, baptism, being filled with the spirit and living a righteous life. That's what your first revelation of God is supposed to produce in your life. So either he has not revealed himself to you yet. Or you're being rebellious if you have not been born again. Now, that might make you feel real bad, but I just told you that that's how they felt when Peter preached to them. They felt like, man, I'm pricked in my heart. But but you know what they did instead of walking around and being mad? All right, I'm pricked in my heart. What I got to do? And that's what we need to do. You, 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 I remember, man, this is good stuff. I'm going to be done pretty soon. I remember when, if you remember this guy in the Bible, Cain. Remember Cain in Genesis, Adam and Eve's son? I don't know if you remember Cain gave a sacrifice unto the Lord. And the Lord did not show favoritism or the Lord didn't accept. Let's use that word. The Lord didn't accept that sacrifice and Cain was angry. What did the Lord say? Let me paraphrase. Cain, why are you upset? If you do right, if you do well, I will accept your sacrifice and we will just move past this. That's all God ever asked of us. But we want to stay in our rebellious stage like, why can't you, God? Why can't you, God? When all God is saying is, I know the way because I am the way. I'm trying to help you get right. Just listen to me. I know you might not like it, but just do what I'm telling you. You're going to be okay when you do what I tell you. But if you don't do what I tell you, you're going to be controlled by everything else, and you just won't be able to receive what I have for you. That's what he said to Cain. 
And here we go again in Acts chapter 2. Repent. Or, 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 or they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? That word, what shall we do? Repent. So that's the first stage of pursuing him. Moving right along. The second stage in pursuing Christ is to know him more and that you may serve in harmony with him to fulfill his purpose. The second stage in pursuing Christ is that you may know him more and that you may serve in harmony with him to fulfill his purpose. Which will in turn benefit you and this entire world. We treat God like we treat people. What do you mean by that, preacher? Because when people ask you to do something for them, usually you're not benefiting from it. they benefiting from it. But that's not God. The Bible says God owes no man. Remember that. Never forget that. That's a big statement. God owes no man. And one of the reasons why he owes no man, yes, he gave us life, but he's still not even playing that card. I gave you life. He's not even using that. He's not even playing that card that I gave you life, so whatever I tell you to do, just do it. That's what we do. But he's not even playing that card. He's saying, even though I give you life, whatever I ask you to do, I'm going to make sure you profit big time. But we treat him like we treat people. Yeah, every time I turn around, they want me to do something. They just ungrateful and never do nothing for me. Usually that's how people are. Yes, I know. God don't do that. Anything God asks you to do, The benefit, you cannot even comprehend the benefit in it if you will do it. God is not asking you to do anything that you're not going to benefit and profit from big time. So we got to get past that to say, when we read the scripture that we we are supposed to serve him and to serve him for his purpose, we hear that and that makes us cringe. Serve him for his purpose? What about me? Because you don't get it. That one could exist that says, when I say serve me for my purpose, you get a whole lot of that, that benefit. We can't comprehend that. We think every time we hear for me, you just back down because it's just innate. I'm not doing that for nobody. What about me? Ain't nobody serving me. Ain't nobody looking out for me. That's kind of how we do. We got to shed that. We got to start pursuing Christ so we can have that, that, that relationship with him where we realize when I do what he wants me to do, I'm not doing it so I can be benefit, I can benefit from it, but I'm doing it because I love God and I want to serve him and I want to please him. You got to remember God seeked you out first before you ever seek him out. Remember in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, God came after them and says, uh, where are you? Uh, what have you done? Uh, they did wrong. They didn't run to God. God ran to them. Uh, so we got to get this thing in our mind uh, that God uh, was pursuing you uh, long before you heard this message today uh, that you need to pursue Christ. Uh, he was already pursuing you. There is nothing to discuss. He's already pursuing you. He's already made a place for you. He's already prepared for you to have a place in him. So he is pursuing you. 
will you pursue him? The pursuit of Christ. Uh huh. So here's this. We demonstrate our pursuit. This is in the second stage of pursuing him. We demonstrate our pursuit when we attend church services, when we attend Bible study, when we attend prayer meetings, and when we serve in the church to help build up the church. That's how we pursue him. The second stage of pursuit of Christ. The first state, our first stage is pursuing him so we can know him and be saved, be born again. The second stage is pursuing him so we can know him more, but so we can work in harmony with him in building up his church. All right, three or four people. I'm about to show it to you. I'm about to show it to you. Remember the text we read earlier, our main text, 1 Chronicles 22, 19. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Then it said, arise, therefore. You, you, you read. Maybe, maybe, maybe. maybe. Uh, what it says? Arise, therefore, and build ye the sanctuary to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built to the name. After you pursue God and he reveals himself to you, and you realize, oh my goodness, it's Almighty God who is Jesus Christ in the flesh. Uh, oh my God, we crucified him, but he gave his life that we, we can have life, eternal life. And so how do I get this eternal life that he went through all that sacrifice for us so we can have it? What must I do? And then the Bible teaches us uh, that we must repent uh, and be baptized uh, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Uh, and we shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what we are supposed to experience as we pursue him initially. But when that's done, the next level of pursuit is pursuing him that we will know him more. But here is what I love about that text. Here is the revelation. The revelation is some of you all know would know this. You work side by side with somebody every day and see how good you get to know them. We miss so many things because of how we are wired. And God is saying, go and build my sanctuary. What he's saying is, if you go do my will, my purpose, you know what? You're going to have to check with me every single day as to what is the next assignment. You're going to have to work next to me every day to get this thing done because you don't know how to do it. You don't know what it's supposed to be like. But if you will work alongside me every day, I will teach you. I will explain to you. I will show you. I will work with you so you can understand what you're doing but in turn you will know me so very well there are people that work with people that know them better than their own family because they work with them every day 
when God, when David commanded these princes to say, go and, 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 and seek the Lord, set your, set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord. And then he said, arise and go build what he's telling him, seek the Lord. And then when you come to understand who he is, it's going to make you surrender your life. And then you will begin to serve him by doing his will. And we try to skip serving because I said it yesterday in our in our prayer meeting. The generation before us, they served God, they gave everything. They gave everything. And the generation that came behind looked around and says, Man, I'm not doing all that. Because they think that all of the effort that the generation before them that gave, they gave it to the church. Uh-huh. People think that the prior generations was giving their life to the church and to the pastor and to this and to that. And so we have a generation that's coming up. And even some of us, that's not a generation coming up, but are where we are today. That's watching what we do because we've heard so much of, yeah, all they do is go to the church. Yeah. All they do is serve the church. Yeah. Oh, and that's what we have held on to for so many years. We're blaming the church. And nobody is saying, well, how do you serve God? Can somebody ask that question? And stop saying you serve in the church. Let's ask the question, how do we serve God? I would like to know if somebody have a different answer. How do we serve God? Because the Bible says the church is the body of Christ. The Bible says the church is what God is coming back for. The Bible tells us that the church must be edified. And the Bible tells us we should bear you one another's burden. And we, the called out ones that have been born again, are the church. We're serving one another unto the Lord. So listen to me. When you serve each other, who is the church, you're serving the Lord. You're not serving the church. Now, are you serving the church? I guess it's semantics. But what I learned, did I say this last week? Maybe I said it last week. I don't know, but I'll say it again this week. Remember I told you I was exercising the other day? You remember that? And I was exercising, I felt like stopping you. You know, I know you know, because I told you at Bible study. And so I'm exercising, and, and one thing about exercise when you first start out, if you don't know this about exercise, you'll never get any place. So all the exercise people know. So when you first started exercising, for probably the first maybe about seven minutes, you can quit in a second. You don't want to do it. You're, you're, everything in you is saying, ah, you know, you, uh, maybe I don't need to be doing this. Everything in you is telling, try to get you to not move forward. But after that seven minutes. You just start working, and now you say, okay, yeah, yeah, I know why I need But the good news was within those seven minutes, you had to figure out why you're exercising. 
And once you realize why you're exercising, now you move forward and you start exercising with your mind on the reasons for exercising. Well, church, I want you to understand this about God. A lot of times we're clapping our hands because somebody else clapped their hand. A lot of times we do like this because we know to do that. A lot of times we hear the preaching and we say, yeah, because we know how to do that. But we got to stop and say to ourselves, what am I doing it for? Is it because everybody is doing it? Or is it because I'm pursuing Christ? I'm here to tell somebody this afternoon, everything you do for Christ, you got to put on your heart and your mind that I'm pursuing Christ. I'm doing it because I'm pursuing Him. I'm not doing it because everybody else is doing it. And I think we fail right there. We, we, we won't move forward because we just, we're doing things that are supposed to be godly, but we're doing them because it's just protocol. It's protocol. It's protocol to give my offering. It's protocol to clap my hands. It's protocol to sing songs. It's, pro- it's protocol to do everything in the church. And we are not doing it because we're pursuing God. So, we got to change that dynamic of our mind of how it's functioning and realize what I'm doing is unto Christ. I'm pursuing Christ. I'm not doing this because it's protocol. I'm doing it because I'm pursuing Christ. Now, here's a little secret again, more secrets. You got to find something. If Everybody in here, you got to cry out to the Lord so he can put something in you. That will make you have to work with him every day. We can't be, this can't be work. We punch the time clock Sunday morning at 930. And we punch it at 1230. I'm out. It ain't working that way. Because that's not working alongside with him. That's telling him, here's all I got for you. And after, after I'm done with you, I got to move on. I'm telling you, that's how we're serving Christ. That's how we call, that's what we might say we're doing in our attempt to pursue Christ. But what he's asking for is for us to work in harmony with him to build up his church. And that's a job that you got to do every single day. Oh God, can I just tell you that to serve God and pursue God, you're going to have to do something that every single day you wake up is on your mind. Every single day you wake up, you got to do something to serve the Lord. Too many Christians are in church that only do things in the church that you only do it sometimes. It's not every day. But I'm here to tell you, when you pursue God, it's something you have to do every day. Your mind has to think about it every day. You have to ask for direction from Him every day. I know that's hard, but I only can preach what God put in my heart to preach. And I'm trying to tell you how to pursue Christ. I'm trying to tell you, you got to get involved with something of God. For instance, for instance, for instance, if I teach Sunday school in the church, guess what? After Sunday school Sunday, as a matter of fact, when I was studying, I pripped over to see what my next lesson going to be. So now I know my next lesson next week is consisted of blah, 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 blah. So guess what? Monday, I'm still thinking about it. Tuesday, every day of the week, I, every day I think about it till here comes Sunday again. That's pursuing Christ. You can't get away from it. But if I'm just going to do something that only when I show up I do it, 
That's not pursuing Christ the way you need to pursue Christ. Ah, God help us. The next stage of pursuing Christ involves working in harmony with him, church. We have to work in harmony with God in order to say we are putting forth the effort every day to pursue him. You cannot pursue him by just just when whenever you get time to do it. That's not pursuing him. Success does not come with heartless effort in anything and certainly not in living for God. If you went to college, you know what that took. Forget about that. If you went to school, you know what it took. If you came through elementary, middle school, and high school, you know what that took. You didn't just show up once a week. That almost took your whole life, that whole time, to go through elementary, middle, and high. It took you all of your everything to complete that. And somehow, we're going to trick ourselves to believe that living for God, I don't have to do all of that. Can I even just go further and say, even if that's true, I can deceive myself in saying, living for God, I shouldn't have to do all of that. Why would I decide that I'm going to do all of that for something secular that can't give me eternal life and be comfortable saying I don't need to do all that for something eternal? Just just asking. That, that wasn't part of the preaching. I'm just asking because we got to get wise enough in our mind to understand that God is calling us to pursue him by working in harmony with him to fulfill his purpose. We're never going to be successful just by giving a little bit of effort. Christ will not accept a sacrifice that lacks the lifeblood of affection and intent. Nobody is good by accident. Nobody is good by accident. No person ever become holy by chance. There must be a resolve, a desire, a panting, and a pinning after obedience to gain Christ. Philippians 3 and 7, the scripture says, But what things, this is Apostle Paul talking, but what things were gain to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do not count them but dung, that I may gain Christ. We just overlooked that portion of the Bible, huh? That, that's not in the Bible. Oh, that's not in the Bible. You know what's in the Bible? You got a right to praise him. That's what's in the Bible. You know what's in the Bible? God is good all the time and all the time God is good. You know what's in the Bible? All things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according. That's what's in the Bible. But Paul counting everything as lost, counting everything as dumb to the Lord, that's not in the Bible. 
I don't know where that came from. Somebody made that up. Let's keep moving. And so we are commanded by the word of God to appoint, to charge, to commit our mind, our intellect, and our personality and identity to pursue the Lord our God. We are to arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God. To bring the ark of the covenant of God and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built to the name of the Lord. Philippians 2.21. Here we go. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. That's not in the Bible either. We've got to write the praise in. No, no, no. We, we, we got to write the phrase. That's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. Somebody made that up and put that in the Bible. Uh-huh. Somebody made that up. And so, all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this. Many believers may express concerns and interests in the things of God but are often too preoccupied with their own activities to commit and act on those concerns and those interests. So we might think about it. We may may even put some concern into it, but the bottom line is somehow we don't act on them because we have other interests that consumes us. Yeah, our own interests, not the interests of Christ. Our own interests. We will never do much for God when we attempt to serve a dozen masters. We will never do much for God when we attempt to serve a dozen masters. Because that's what we're trying to do. This is why the scripture says a rich person can't go to heaven. Not because God don't want you rich, but because you're going to have a dozen masters. How are you going to delve out that money? How are you going to keep up with all the stuff that you got? You can, you can be rich in Christ. You just got to know how to handle that. But the only way you're going to handle that right is when you are working in harmony with Christ to build his church. Then you get rich like that and the riches won't bother you. But if you get rich and you're not working in harmony with him, it's going to be trouble. Uh-huh. When will we start pursuing Christ the way he wants us to pursue him? With our heart and with our soul with our mind and with our intellect and our identity. It's time for us to arise and build the house of the Lord. That is how we will pursue him successfully. We have to get with God and get alongside him and serve him in harmony to build up his church, his church, his church. Not what you want, not how you want. His church. You ought to wake up every day and, 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 and the things of God are on your mind. What I got to do? Listen, I wish this was somebody else, but I don't know anybody else. So I got to give you examples of what I do. Yesterday, I wake up and don't tell me that's just you. God call you. That's not how it go. God call everybody. But some choose to respond and some choose to do their own thing. And so I woke up yesterday and I studied my Bible, prepared myself to finish up on what I got to preach this morning. I got done and I drove to New Brunswick, driving around New Brunswick. Don't really know it really that well. I'm learning it now because we are planning to start a church in New Brunswick by May 
30th. Start a church. Now, this is supposed to be a district thing where a lot of people are supposed to be involved. But here I am, driving around New Brunswick, calling churches. Are you renting spaces? Calling people. Are you renting spaces? And I'm, I, I did this for probably three hours, just driving around, trying to figure out. I met with this pastor, asking them questions. How much does it cost? What kind of space do you have? Can you show me the spaces? I'm going through all of this stuff. You don't think I got something else that I could do on Saturday? You don't think so? You don't think I could do something else on a Saturday? I got four kids and a wife. Four. Because the grown ones still act like kids. So I got four kids and a wife. You don't think I can be doing something else? But when you have committed, when you have charged yourself, when you had decided that I have set my heart and my soul to pursue the Lord. After a while, you don't have anything to say but just what he says. Whatever he says. What are you going to do? Whatever he says. Where are you going to go? Whatever he says. But somehow, some part of us has told us, yeah, that's probably for the preacher though. All I got to tell you is this. When God finally judges all of us and called us to judge us, he's not going to say, well done, pastor. He's not going to say, well done, singer. He's not going to say, well done, musician and good cooks and, you know, all. he's not going to say that. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful. So keep, keep thinking, oh, that's what the pastor do. That's what the pastor do, because pastors do that, okay? He called all of us servants. So the question will be, and, and, and listen to this one. Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Lord, Lord, didn't we cast devils out in your name? And the Lord responded and said unto them, Depart from me, for I knew you not, ye workers of iniquity. So guess what? You can do what you want and feel like you're doing something, but not be doing what God say do. And God don't accept that. Now, that's one you got. That's one pill you got to swallow right there. You can do whatever you want and say, I'm doing what the Lord want. But it may not be what the Lord want. It may be what you want. And on the day of judgment, it's the wrong day to be finding out I was doing the wrong thing. I need to find that out in, in midstream. Yo, dude, you're doing the wrong thing. Stop doing that and do the right thing. I need to find out midstream, not when it's too late. So we have to realize what is pursuing Christ. And so I close with this. Hebrews chapter 6. I got some good news. Because y'all feel, it made me feel like I, that wasn't good news. I was just preaching. Pursuing Christ. Here's the good news. Hebrews chapter 11. You like this. Hebrews chapter 11. I'm sorry. 11. Now look at this. You'll like this. Remember I try to tell you um, what faith is. And a lot of people don't know what faith is. If you sit in Bible study that I taught you, you, you probably know by now what faith is. But what I always tell people that faith is, you can measure this with whatever anybody else says, but faith is 
you obtaining the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, that he is God and man. That's faith. Everything else is a description of faith. So when you start to say, well, what about this? It's a description. But the real definition of faith is when you have obtained the knowledge of who God is, that he is man and Christ at the same time, man and God. At this. When you obtain that, you have obtained faith. Yeah, I know that's going to mess with your definition. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And what I say to people all the time is, okay, explain that to me. And they say, well, um, you know, you just got to believe. And I said, that ain't faith. Because I can believe something and that don't mean it's faith. I can believe you're rich and you're not rich. That don't mean it's faith. So we can believe a lot of things. But if you want the true definition of faith, the true definition of faith is obtaining the knowledge of who God is, that Jesus Christ is God manifest in flesh. When you know that, you have faith. And I can go on and on and explain that. But one of the things you can know is if you understand that, then you have the power or you possess the knowledge to know everything else. I'm just saying, it's not, it's not your regular teaching, but let me mess with you now. So now that I go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, here it goes. But without faith, <laughs> don't mess with me. I, I, can go, I can go, you know, straight, you know, teacher mode on you, and you'll be like, huh? Mess up your whole religion, but I don't want to mess up your religion because you're on your way, and you won't get there, and I don't want to mess it up. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you can believe something wrong. Does that mean that you're going to please God? Think about that. So if faith is just believing, you can believe something that's wrong. Does that mean you're going to please God now that you believe something wrong? No. But when you have the knowledge of who he is, that he is God and man at the same time, guess what now? It's impossible to not please him because you know who he is. You can't please somebody you don't know. People try it all the time. But I'm just telling you, you can't. So without faith, the knowledge of who he is, it's impossible to please him. Let's go on and read a little bit more. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that word believe right there is more on the line of must know that he is God. And that he is, here we go, a rewarder. Remember I told you God not going to ask you to do nothing that he don't reward you of. And he is a rewarder of them that diligently pursue him. I know this was a challenging message today. But he rewards them that pursue him. He's not going to have you pursue him and make you just miserable and make you all un just losing your mind. When God tells you to pursue him, he's going to reward you. And so I'm here to tell you today, pursue Christ and he will reward you. We won't pursue him for the reward, but the reward come in the pursuit. Oh, 
I'm finished on verse 7. Look at verse 7 now. Back to what I said faith is. Don't mess with it. Look at it. What verse 7 said? By faith, Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Do you understand what just got said right there? First of all, because he knew God, he did what God told him. A lot of times we don't do what God tells us because we don't know. That ain't God. God ain't say that. But here is what I love. Here is what I love, church. The end of it where it says, he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. You missed it, but let me help you get it. If you're going to pursue God, the second stage of pursuing God is to know him more and to work in harmony with him in building up his church. If God never do anything for you anymore, you caught it. Here's what he's doing. Helping you to build your ark. So and we giving him a hard time. We giving God a hard time to say, pursue me by helping me to build the church because the church is the ark. That's what's going to save your soul. And you are giving me a hard time about building up the church when that's what I prepared to save you out of this world. And you're giving me a hard time and you're fussing about why I got to serve this and why I got to do this and why I got to go here and why I got to do this. God is saying, I am telling you to serve me that we may build up the church for it's the church that will be saved. The church is the ark in today's age. Why won't we serve the church? I don't know if I need it. Let's stand. We don't need to see nothing else. We pursue God. And when we pursue Him, He reveals Himself to us. And when he reveals himself to us, it should move us to surrender our life, to repent, to be baptized. He will fill us with his spirit and we will begin to walk that walk of righteousness. And that's what happened when with the initial pursuit of Christ. As we continue to pursue him. We begin to pursue him by still doing the same things. But now we are learning to know him more and learn of him more. And then we come alongside him and begin to help him build up his church the way he says. And that church that you're helping to build up is the church that's going to save you. The Bible says he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And so God is coming back for his church. And so what he's telling you is, help me build the thing that I'm using to save you out of the world. What are you fussing about? Noah didn't fuss. Noah, for 120 years, 
build the ark and preached. Build the ark and preached. Build the ark and preached. For 120 years, all he was doing was working on the ark. Oh, my bad. I missed something. He still got to feed the family. He still got to take care of the family. So 120 years, build the ark, preach, feed the family. 120 years he did that for. And guess what? At the end of the 120 years, him and his family, only eight people saved. And so if we're going to be saved, we can't despise helping the Lord to build the ark. If we're going to be saved, we can't despise helping the Lord to do his will. Because whatever he's telling us to do is for our own benefit. And he will not owe nobody. And if we don't make it in, it's not because the Lord didn't do his part. It's because we didn't want it. Can I also tell you this? You don't have to always feel like it to do it. Just do it. (laughs) I don't know why I thought about this the other day. Back in the day, some of you young people won't know anything about this. But the old people know. I'm putting myself in the old people category these days. I don't know. But the old people know. And, and, And here is what they know. Back in the day, when we didn't have all the DNA stuff and all the pretty stuff that you can find everything out, people used to go to the judge and say, Judge, that woman trying to say I'm the father for that child. And I'm not the father, judge. You know what the judge used to say back in the old days, Donald? Judge used to say, you know what, son? Just take care of it. Feed it and take care of it. It'll start looking like you. (laughs) You know what the judge was really saying? Whatever you take care of, you're going to own it. Whatever you take care of, you're going to put all your life and everything into it. But if you don't take care of it, it won't mean a whole lot to you. And so what the judge knew that sometimes the old folk knew, know that we don't know. What the judge is really saying is, you ready for it? What the judge is really saying is, we're not going to let this, this kid grow up without a father. Come on, you see, sometimes they don't, the old folks don't spill it out the way we need it. And that's what I try to do these days is spill it out just the way it needs to be spilled out. But sometimes the old folk, they say things that is right. They just never explain it fully. So what the judge was saying back then is, listen, we don't have time to let these kids grow up without a father. And since you in the life of the kid, take care of the kid. And if you take care of that kid, you will begin to feel like the dad and own the kid like the dad. Treat the kid like you're the dad. That's what the judge was really saying. That still go today. God is saying, if you help me take care of my church, you will care about my church like I care about my church. You will help me take care of my church You will care about the church like I care about the church. But if you just come in and leave out and never take care of the church, you won't feel any sense of responsibility. And when you get tired and you don't feel like coming to church no more, you just won't come no more. Because there was no investment. God is trying to get us to pursue him. And when we pursue him, we pursue him by joining alongside with him. By working in harmony with him harmony whatever he tells us to do we do that's what we do and we will prepare the ark the church to our saving of our soul hallelujah 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody begin to just talk to the Lord for just five minutes. We're going to close in five minutes. But how about we just talk to the Lord and be real with him? Talk to him about pursuit of him. Where you are in the process of pursuing him. Where you are in the process. For five minutes, let's talk to the Lord and seek out the Lord. That we will know how to pursue him. And that we will pursue him to the point where we will gain Christ. Anybody want to gain Christ today? Oh, I want to gain Christ today. I just don't want to go through the motions of being a part of the church, by being involved with the church. But I want to be a part of helping to build the church. I want to help the Lord Jesus to build his church. Oh, somebody help me today. Somebody call on the name of the Lord today and say, God, I realize that I'm not pursuing you the way I need to pursue you. I realize I'm not moving forward the way you have commanded and called me to pursue. But Lord, today, I surrender. You have opened my eyes. You have spoken to my heart. Now, Lord Jesus, whatever you command... That will I do, that will I do, that will I do. Somebody listen for the voice of God. As God begin to speak to your heart. As God begin to instruct you. Say, God, yes I will. Yes I will. I will pursue you. I will do your will. I will obey you. For God, I don't want to be self-centered, but I want to be Christ centered. Will you help me today, Lord, to let this word that you have spoken to my heart grip my life and move me to a different dimension and move me into a new place in you. For Lord, I am going to pursue you. I am going to pursue you. Somebody make up in your heart today. Somebody make up in your mind today. Make up in your soul to pursue Jesus. To pursue Him like you've never